Welcome to the Eric Erickson Show podcast, Hour 3. Hello, America. How are you? It's Eric Erickson from Atlanta, Georgia, across the nation. The phone number, 877-973-7425, if you want to be on the program. Well, in Atlanta, Georgia, uh, coming up later this month, August 27th, a few days away, as a matter of fact, uh, Truth and Courage Pack is going to have a conservative activist summit called Together for Truth. Herschel Walker is going to be there. Wesley Hunt's going to be there. Michael Berry is going to be there. My buddy Rich McCormick. I'm doing an event for Rich McCormick tonight. Uh, my favorite cruise on planet Earth, Raphael Cruz, is going to be there. Uh, and then my second favorite cruise, his son Ted, is also going to be there. You may know Ted Cruz, the senator from Texas. He happens to be joining me by phone. Ted, how are you? Eric, good to be with you. How is your dad, by the way? I miss seeing him. My, my dad is fantastic. He's he's 83 years old. And he's, he's still got the energy of a teenager. He's going a 1,000 miles an hour. The, the, the only thing i got to correct you is is I agree with you that, that my dad is, is is your favorite cruise, but I'm not number two. Heidi beats me, Yeah, too. okay, that is true. Number three in the rank. I was trying to be polite there, but yes, that is true. <laughs> 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 All right, so I, look, I, I want to talk to you about the Pat, but i got to ask you about the student loan stuff first because how is it even constitutional for the president to forgive a loan like this? Well, uh, I will confess I have not studied the constitutional question, so I, w- I want to be careful uh, giving a legal opinion without without examining it. Uh, whether it is legal or not, part of it will depend on the statutory basis of the president's authority. I suspect they are stretching the bounds uh, of the president's authority. The real question, though, is, is it a good idea? Is mm-hmm. it good policy? And And You know, imagine Joe Biden stood up and said, I've got a plan. I want to shift billions of dollars from working men and women. I want to shift billions of dollars from truck drivers, from steel workers, from cops and firefighters, from from people working on on an assembly line, blue collar workers working with their hands. I want to take billions of dollars out of their pockets and send it to a bunch of rich white collar workers who went and, and got big student loan uh, big, big student loans to go study underwater basket weaving, and we're going to take your money and use it to pay off their loans. People would laugh at that idea, mm-hmm. and that's exactly what Biden is saying. And, you know, there's a reason he's saying that, which is the Democratic Party is no longer the party of working men and women. They no longer care about, you know, the olden days in FDR's time when, when Democrats were a blue-collar union party. That ain't today's Democratic Party. They are rich coastal elites. And so they're going to rob from the working class and pay off their rich buddies with it. That's what that's what this is all about. Yeah, you know, I was reminded. Um, I, I don't know if I ever talked to you this about the story or not. I, it was it was hilarious to me at the time during the Obamacare debate. Uh, I think it was NPR. Somebody interviewed a guy in Atlanta who thought we needed universal health care because he had gotten a master's degree in, of all things, puppetry arts. And he couldn't find a job that paid very much. Uh, apparently, there aren't many places outside of San Francisco that pay you a lot of money to shove your arm up the backside of a puppet. And he couldn't find he couldn't make ends meet. And I feel like we're, we're essentially subsidizing coastal white kids who get degrees in gender studies, and they're surprised no one wants to hire them. Uh, meanwhile, you've got a lot of electricians, plumbers. Um, farmers who have loans on tractors, and they're the ones who are going to now subsidize this stuff. It just doesn't seem like it's even smart politics at that level. 
you know, it really is backwards, and it reminds me a few, a few years ago I did did a series of three debates with Bernie Sanders that that CNN hosted, and one of them was on health care, two of them were on tax policy. But at, but at one point, uh, Bernie was arguing for high taxes, and he was calling himself Robin Hood, uh, and I, and I put it out. I said, Bernie, you, you seem to have seriously misunderstood that story, um, because number one. Robin Hood was robbing the tax collector. It was the tax collector that was the bad guy. The sheriff of Nottingham was imposing ruinous taxes that was hurting the people of England. The tax collector is the bad guy. And let's be clear, you're arguing on the side of the sheriff of Nottingham. And not only that, here's what you're doing. You're taking from the poor and giving to the rich. You're not even doing what Robin Hood was doing, taking from the rich and giving from the poor. <laughs> you're using government to rob poor people to pay off your rich buddies. That ain't noble. That ain't honorable. That is simply corrupt and oppressive. Amen. I, I, I just it, it, this baffles. I mean, I really just uh, the politics of it. It seems like the Democrats, you know, there's always this seasonal polling bounce about this time for Democrats. And they're suddenly like, like, oh, we've figured out all the kinks and now we're going to win. And then they lose. And and they they do stuff like this just I, after years of saying they didn't have the power to do it. But like I, I could talk all day about it, but I, I got to get to the together for truth. Uh, so it's the Truth and Courage Pack here in Atlanta. Uh, conservative activist summit. You got a lot of good speakers coming. You of course are the the keynote speaker here. Uh, why just if you will, why this year bring conservatives together around the country for things like this? Well, because this election is as important an election as, as, as you and I have seen in our lifetimes. Uh, what's happening in Washington, Joe Biden, Kamala Harris, Chuck Schumer, Nancy Pelosi, they've driven this country off a cliff. They have done massive damage, and, and it is the most extreme and radical agenda we've, we've ever seen. The people of Georgia, people across the country are seeing sky-high inflation. Every price is rising. They're seeing gas prices through the roof. We're seeing crime rates skyrocketing across the country. We're seeing chaos at our southern border, the highest rate of illegal immigration in 62 years, and people are fed up. And this election in November is our first big chance to take our country back and, and to come back. And, and I'll make a prediction. I believe in November Republicans are going to retake the House with a big majority. I don't think it's going to be a small, narrow majority. I think it's going to be a big majority. And I think we're going to retake the Senate. You're right. There's some some naysayers out there who, who are discounting that right now. But I think we're going to take both. And Georgia is going to be pitiful. I believe Herschel Walker will win that race. Yep. And it's critically important that he win that race. Raphael Warnock is a very nice guy who doesn't remotely represent the values of Georgia. He is on the far left. His voting record is indistinguishable from Chuck Schumer and Elizabeth Warren. And the people of, of Georgia are not left-wing socialists, and that's how your senator votes right now. And so the purpose of this conference is to energize and empower and train grassroots activists. The conference is this, is this Saturday, August 27th. It's from 1 p.m. to 6 p.m. It's at the West End Buckhead. The, the, the conference is free. There's free barbecue. And you can sign up online. The website is togetherfortruth.com. That's together the number four truth.com. And, and this is all about empowering the grassroots to ensure that conservatives and lovers of liberty show up in November. And if we do, 
we're going to win an historic victory come November. God willing, we will. Now, before you get off here, I got to ask you one more question. Uh, the border situation down in Texas, uh, I read the other day that we're, we've already beaten the records for the last three years in a row. Uh, for people coming across the border, it doesn't seem like it's getting any better down there. Um, can you talk about what the Border Patrol is telling you or what you're seeing down there? It is the worst it has ever been. It, it is absolute chaos. We've had over three and a half million people cross illegally. You know, just a few weeks back, I brought a group of senators down to see it firsthand. I've been to the border many, many times. It's worse than I've ever seen it. We, we went out on midnight patrol with the Border Patrol. You don't have to go hunt for people. Within minutes of going out, we encounter the first group of people, and every few minutes you encounter another group of people. One of the first groups we saw was a group of women and children, about a dozen people, two little girls, two seven-year-old girls. They were both unaccompanied minors. Neither had a parent, neither had an adult. They were with strangers. They'd been trafficked by human traffickers across the border. The Border Patrol showed us a few hundred yards down the way a patch of grass where a few weeks earlier, they had encountered two little girls, age five and six, both of whom had been brutally sexually assaulted by human traffickers, and they had to provide emergency medical care to these little girls. What is happening is sick, it is horrific, and it is a deliberate political decision of Joe Biden. He could stop it. I got to say, as I sit here and listen to the Democrat mayors of New York City and Washington, D.C. whine, that Texas has sent a few thousand illegal immigrants to them, and they say it's a crisis. Well, they're right, it's a crisis, but we've had three and a half million, damn it. And so stop whining about 6,000, and I've told the governor he needs to send D.C. 600,000. And if they don't like it, they both have the phone numbers of the Biden White House. Biden could stop this tomorrow, but he doesn't care about the children being assaulted, about the women being raped, about the people being killed and about the over 100,000 fentanyl overdoses that are happening because these Democrats refuse to enforce the law. They re- I just I'm, I'm flabbergasted by this. And I saw Jim Acosta had on uh, Chad Wolf this weekend on his show and it essentially wouldn't let uh, the, the former head of Homeland Security talk, wanted to indict him for the separation policy of the Trump administration. And Bill Wolf pointed out Biden's not only doing that right now, but he's incentivizing people sending the kids separately across the border, trying to wade the Rio Grande. And, and the human trafficking situation is compounded because of it. And it just it really doesn't seem like they care. Well, look, Acosta is not a journalist. Right. He doesn't play one on TV. He doesn't pretend to be. He is a left-wing mouthpiece. He's not very bright, and he mostly screams and curses propaganda. But CNN doesn't cover the border. Look, one of the real problems, Eric, is, is we live in, in such a tribalized and atomized society. If you watch Fox News, if you listen to your show, you know about the border crisis. If you're one of those poor timid souls that watches CNN or MSNBC or or even ABC, CBS, uh, NBC, you have no idea there's a border crisis. They don't cover it. The facts don't exist. Why is it that Joe Biden has not been to the border a single time as president? Why has Kamala Harris, the alleged border czar, not been to the Rio Grande Valley a single time as president? The answer, or vice president, the answer is if they came The TV cameras would have to follow, and you cannot defend this. Mm -hmm. If you see it, if you see, as I did, at Farmer's Show, you picture after picture after picture of dead bodies, pregnant women who died in the desert, 
little old ladies who died in the desert, children abandoned to be eaten by coyotes. It is sick and inhuman. It is modern-day slavery. You know, the people coming across, they all wear wristbands. Those wristbands are color-coded for how many thousands of dollars they owe the cartels. And when they come here, they continue working for the cartels. The teenage boys, you've got teenage boys in Atlanta, Georgia, who, who are illegal immigrants. They owe thousands of dollars to Mexican drug cartels, and they're working to pay their debt off by working for the cartels. And I got to tell you, Eric, the boys have it better because thousands upon thousands of the girls are in forced prostitution. They're in hell to pay off the debt they have incurred. And the Democrats don't give a damn, and CNN doesn't give a damn. Jim Acosta doesn't cover it because he is a propagandist. He's like AOC, who goes down to the border when Trump is president in her white pantsuit and, mm-hmm. and poses for the camera crying. But now the Biden cages are bigger, fuller, more people are suffering, and it's not news because they are professional liars. Well, it's kind of like the the homeless situation. Rush Limbaugh used to say when Republicans take over, suddenly the media discovers the homeless situation again. Maybe they will when the Republicans are back. Listen, it's a pleasure to talk to you as always. My best to your family. And unfortunately, I'm, I'm taking my kid to NASA this weekend for a birthday, so I can't join you in Atlanta. But I hope a lot of people turn out for the Together for Truth conference. Well, thank you, Eric. The website again is together, the number four, truth.com. It's this Saturday free barbecue come out. You're going to be inspired. You're going to be encouraged. You're going to be trained. You're going to be equipped to go battle, win, to turn Georgia back red, take the Senate back, and take the first big step to take the country back. Thank you so much. Senator Ted Cruz from Texas. He'll be in Atlanta, Georgia, August 27th this weekend uh, at the Weston in Buckhead by Lenox Mall. Those of you familiar with that area, togetherfortruth.com. It's the number four, togetherfortruth.com. You can go find out more about the conference there. If you're in the southeast, want to drive to Atlanta, you'll have a lot of conservatives there, good barbecue, and it's free. You don't have to pay. You get a lot of great speakers, including Senator Cruz's dad, who is fantastic. Everybody asked me about bowl and branch sheets. I actually put up a picture the other day. We got some in our house because we order from them. We actually are customers. They're like, oh, my gosh, are they really that good? Yes, they get softer every single time you wash them. I mean, they use 100% organic cotton threads. They're super soft. You get such a good sleep. They have just the great weight to them. Like I had a pair of sheets we actually threw away when we replaced them with Bull and Branch, where is they were just like too light and also not very soft. The Bull and Branch, they're perfect. The drape across your body when you sleep, absolutely perfect. Bull and Branch uses the highest quality threads on earth for superior softness, for a better night's sleep. They've got over 10,000 stellar reviews. Their signature sheets come in nine neutral colors in all sizes from twin to California King. You will feel the difference. And they're 100% free from toxins. No pesticides, no formaldehyde, no harsh chemicals. Get 15% off your first set of sheets when you use promo code ERIC, E-R-I-C-K, at BolandBranch.com. That's BolandBranch, B-O-L-L-A-N-D, Branch.com. The promo code is ERIC, E-R-I-C-K. Hi there. It is Eric Erickson here. This hour of the program brought to you by First Liberty Building and Loan nationwide. They can help your business grow, really grow. If you need large loans, $750,000 or more, reach out to First Liberty, firstlibertyga.com, anywhere in the nation. They can help your business grow. You're building a building, buying a building, you name it, reach out to them, firstlibertyga.com. Now, 
We do have other things to talk about, including this NPR reporter story that just uh, just interesting to me. It is, but I, I want to play you real quick some audio. This is from Josh Krashauer. I think he was on CNN talking about the state of play for the Senate. He will, and Mitch McConnell could be the savior of, of, of the Republican majority if the money comes in and, and moves the numbers, which, which they will. I mean, we're not at the beginning of the campaign season. There's going to be a lot of Republican money aligned with Mitch McConnell coming into big Senate races, and the polling numbers are going to move in September. Mm-hmm. But but you still have candidates like, like a Dr. Oz and... Pennsylvania or a Blake Masters in Arizona, the, the Fox polls showed their own favorables are, are pretty low. So they can't just depend on a political environment turning their fortunes around. They need to run a better campaign. They need to do a better job on the campaign trail to win those swing states. Those are the two I'm worried about, Oz and, and Masters. They need to win. Oz needs to win because that's a Republican seat right now. It's Pat Toomey, and he's not a great candidate. I'm not sure why Hannity convinced Trump to go that way. He's not a great, I think he can win, but he's just not a great candidate. Uh, calling the veggie platter the crudite, um, that that's kind of that's not Pennsylvania speak, y'all. It's like someone coming to Georgia and referring to pop as opposed to Coca Cola or um, Pepsi in Georgia. Not 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 at, although Pepsi's expanding in Georgia, but nonetheless, you get my point. And the irony here is because the Trump super PAC is not spending a lot of money on these campaigns, that's where a lot of the Trump donors are sending their money, by the way. It's one reason Republicans are at a fundraising disadvantage is a lot of small dollar donors are pouring their money into the Trump super PAC. And the Trump super PAC is not actually funding these campaigns. They're not given big checks. McConnell spending tens of millions of dollars in each of these races to turn them around. And so ironically, for a group of people, myself included, I'm not a McConnell fan, but he's going to be the one who pulls this off. And are these people who he saves, who said they'd be happy to find someone other than McConnell to run the Senate, do you really think they're going to go to Washington and suddenly vote against the guy who saved them and poured money into the races? That's the fundamental problem here. If you want to break up the establishment... You can't rely on the establishment's money. And these candidates right now are all relying on the establishment's money because the money from the conservative grassroots isn't coming to them. It's a fundamental disconnect right there that people have to understand. Now, when we come back, I want to spend time on the story from National Public Radio from an author. She's a reporter. She's the education reporter. And she's written a book about how American public policy during COVID ruined kids' academic careers and future. And the result is that kids are left behind. And she admits that a lot of the people who did it knew that this was going to happen. It's My friend Mary Catherine Ham wrote a review of her book. And she says, like reading a whodunit crime novel, the problem is that at the end of the day, you don't know who done it. She won't blame anyone for causing the problem, but you know who does get blame in the solution is those racist private school parents who want school choice. 
they're making the problem worse. It, it's We need to actually spend a bit of time on this story because it gives you, one, a mindset into the left, but more importantly, a mindset into the reporter class in America who tend to be of the left, who are trying to shape history as it happened, and they're getting things badly wrong to settle scores. Hello there. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number is 877-973-7425. Should you wish to be a part of this year program, you are more than welcome to. By the way, I, I will get to the NPR story because I do want to talk about it, but I found it. I found it. I found it. And I was wrong. It wasn't Atlanta. Listen to this. This is from The Nation. And it's hagiographic praise for Occupy Wall Street. A few years ago, Joe Therian, a graduate of the NYC Teaching Fellows Program, was working as a full-time drama teacher at a public elementary school in New York City, frustrated by huge class sizes, sparse resources, and a disorganized bureaucracy he set off to the University of Connecticut to get a master's in fine arts in his passion, puppetry. Three years and $35,000 in student loans later. He emerged with degree in hand and because, surprise, puppeteers aren't exactly in high demand. He went looking for work at his old school. The intervening years had been brutal to the city's school budgets, down about 14% on average since 2007. The virtual hiring freeze had been in place since 2009 in most subject areas, arts included. And spending on art supplies in elementary schools crashed by 73% between 2006 and 2009. So even though Joe's old principal was excited to have him back, she couldn't afford to hire a new full-time teacher. Instead, he's working at his old school as a full-time substitute. He writes his own curriculum, holds regular classes, and does everything a normal teacher does. But subpay is 50% of a full-time salaried position, he says. So I'm working for half as much as I did four years ago before grad school, and I don't have health insurance. It's the best-paying job I could find. Like a lot of the young protesters who have flocked to Occupy Wall Street, Joe had thought that hard work and education would bring, if not class mobility, at least a measure of security. Indeed, a master's degree can boost a New York City teacher's salary by $10,000 or more. But the past decade of stagnant wages for the 99% and million-dollar bonuses for the 1% has awakened the kids of the middle class to a national nightmare. The dream that coaxed their parents to meet the demands of work, school, mortgage payments, and tuition bills is shattered. Down is the new up. Now, that, that was the story I was thinking of. Dude went and got a degree in puppetry arts. $35,000 in student loans. This is why the student loan industry is a bad deal to begin with. Because you are incentivized, risk-free, here's $35,000, go learn how to stick your arm up the rectum of a puppet and move its lips like they do at the White House to Joe Biden, 
and you will find a job in uh, McDonald's flipping burgers or something. I mean, really, $35,000 for puppetry arts, and he's mad that he couldn't get a good job with a degree in puppetry arts. And if it's society to blame, it's Wall Street to blame, it's the billionaires to blame, not himself. Not himself. This this was about the time I made the statement on Rush Limbaugh show that got me into all sorts of trouble that I still to this day stand by that when you fail at life and you can't acknowledge that it's your failures that put you in the situation, you try to find other people to blame and make demands of them. And like the, the people demanding McDonald's raise their wages everywhere to $15 an hour and going on strike to protest. They failed at life. They made bad life decisions or they were given a a bad lot in life and didn't try to overcome it. And now it's like, it's not my fault. It's your fault. What what do do they do? Provide you a job. Well, not enough money. Well, why is that our problem? Well, because I got a degree in puppetry arts. How is that our fault? Because. Because why? Because. Because. This is what we're dealing with. Now, over at Reason, Mary Catherine Ham has a review of The Stolen Year. The Stolen Year, How COVID Changed Children's Lives and Where We Go Now by Anya Kemenitz. Let me just read you the opening uh, to Mary Catherine Ham's review here. Twelve years after he was acquitted of murder... O.J. Simpson and a ghostwriter penned a book called If I Did It. I was reminded of what the stolen year of that when the stolen year arrived on my doorstep, a chronicling of the horrors wrought by COVID policies that kept American kids from their school buildings and childhood milestones for more than a year. This book was written by someone at the scene of the crime intimate with the gory details, and ultimately uninterested in reckoning with who was responsible for it. This is a whodunit without a culprit. As the Stolen Years title implies, a crime was perpetrated on U.S. children during the pandemic, one that, quote, increased inequality and destroyed individual hopes and dreams, one whose impact can be measured for a generation, in author Anya Kamenetz's words. Kamenetz An NPR education reporter is highly credentialed and well-informed. But if the pandemic taught us anything, it's that degrees and area expertise don't necessarily lead people to good decisions or sound interpretations of data. Knowing the facts was not synonymous with having the courage to buck the pressure to padlock playgrounds. There were signs in Kamenitz's reporting that she understood The risks of opening schools were being exaggerated and the harms of closures downplayed. I frequently shared her early reporting on YMCA safely opening for children of essential workers. Despite that, she admits that she and her colleagues largely missed the biggest story in the modern education beats history. It was all easy to predict, so we could have been louder. They could have been louder. NPR national news outlets were not chock full of stories about how remote learning was exacerbating inequalities. Public radio didn't send warnings. Nobody wanted to stand up to the teachers unions. No one wanted to do anything except now they want to blame people. And who do they want to blame? Well, it turns out they want to blame parents who don't want to send their kids back to public schools. 
In fact, Kevinus's book has a prescription for what to do. Her book is full of examples of public institutions failing, and her answer is more public institutions with more resources. An emblematic patch passage pitches a more expansive Head Start program, the federally funded service for children under five that's free for those at the poverty line, as a solution to the problem of unaffordable child care. She notes that, quote, the vast majority of Head Start centers closed as of March 24, 2020, and remained closed in many cases throughout the spring and fall, leaving the neediest children in the country without care. In contrast, we have the private church-based Hope Day School Administrator working around the clock to read scientific studies and guidance in order to keep her doors open. A Dallas parent and an emergency room doctor tells Kamenitz the school gave her more consistent child care and communication than the public school system did. There's no exploration of why that might be the case, why private schools were willing to stay open. There's almost no credit given to red states that got school policy right. And the moms who stood up to reopen schools, they're not among those profiled. But Kamenetz has thoughts on that activism. She chides women with more economic and political power, choosing not to leverage that power in the interests of women with less of it, and then knocks the privilege of women who formed emergency committees to open school. Now, this is a review of a book by an NPR reporter, and it's, it's, it's really, really worth just pointing a few things out here. The reporter acknowledges that it was bad, the lockdowns were bad, and largely admits that everyone knew at the time it was bad, but they didn't want to say anything. Reminds me, NPR was the organization that blocked Hunter Biden's laptop. Said they weren't going to cover it. It wasn't a news story. It wasn't a big deal, and it turns out that it was. And now this reporter, because she is of the left, can't acknowledge that red states... States run by Republicans had better education outcomes. And why did they have better education outcomes? Because their schools got open first. And she can't acknowledge, though she laments that schools were shut down for so long, the moms who rallied to get schools back open are portrayed as the bad guys, as a privileged elite. Who could do that? In other words... National Public Radio has an agenda-driven leftist covering education policy who exposes that she knew all along it was a problem, but that she couldn't really bring herself to tell the truth at the time. And yet so many people want to turn to NPR for what they claim is fair and balanced news. This is the same organization, did the Hunter Biden story, has an education reporter who clearly knows education policy and yet can't admit that those policies— They made the wrong decisions. She can't bring herself to blame the policymakers. Instead, her solution is to pour more money into the projects of the policymakers who screwed everything else up. This reminds me, again, of the Occupy Wall Street movement and and the puppeteer who can't acknowledge his own problems, who can't acknowledge his own decision-making choices were bad. It reminds me of the person I started the show with with the email who blames me for all of the world's ills and can't acknowledge getting played, can't acknowledge her own problems, can't acknowledge her own failures. No one in America wants to take blame anymore. Everything is always someone else's fault. 
individual responsibilities out the window, even by the people who sing uh, praises of individual responsibility. They don't want to be individually responsible for themselves. It's always someone else's fault. We can't really fix things in this country when we're not able to acknowledge our mistakes and take responsibility for our own actions. You can't fix a country if you can't fix your own mistakes, if you can't fix your own problems. If you're relying on other people to acknowledge culpability for things they weren't responsible for, you're going to be waiting a very long time. It's the whole point of the struggle session and how you get to it. The struggle session, are you familiar with it in communist China? Individuals who supposedly had slighted others had to sit there while everyone stood around them and yelled at them and berated them and told them what a terrible person they are and all the things they had done wrong and all the problems they had caused for society. When many of these people were innocent and to get out of it, they had to acknowledge that they had done something wrong and many of them sat there for a very long time. And then they had to. It was an abusive situation. We're headed towards struggle sessions in this country because people particularly on the left can't acknowledge that they were wrong. They can't acknowledge that the experts were wrong. They can't acknowledge anything in life that contradicts their worldview. And because they can't acknowledge anything in life that contradicts their own worldview, they're doomed to continue to repeat the same mistakes and demand more money to repeat the mistakes at a bigger level. And the rest of us and our children suffer because of it. We're in a very bad situation. And the media itself is part of the problem. This NPR reporter is part of the problem. And none of them lack the awareness or humility to self-reflect on any of that. Which is why you and I, instead of looking for heroes in Washington to save us from Washington, need to find within ourselves the ability to save us from Washington ourselves and seek the welfare of the cities in which we live and not be so beholden to and dependent upon and fixated on Washington, D.C., because we have more experts up there who can read the data and understand the data and still make the same terrible decisions and then double down on them. You should make a good decision. Get an Eden Pure Thunderstorm and wipe out the stinky odors in your house or your car or your hotel room. You can get three of them for less than $200 by going to EdenPureDeals.com, EdenPureDeals.com. There's a discount code box on the front page of the website when you go there and you put in ERIC3, E-R-I-C-K-3, EdenPureDeals.com. The discount code is ERIC3. You get Eden Pure Thunderstorms, a three-pack of them. You get one for upstairs, one for downstairs. One you can travel with, keep in your suitcase, put it in your basement or your attic, wherever you need the Eden Pure Thunderstorm. Not only does it capture the mildew, the mold, the pollen, the viruses, the bacteria, the dust, it wipes out odors, wipes them out, doesn't disguise them, doesn't mask them. It eliminates the odors. So if someone's been smoking in your rental car, you can plug it in with a USB cord and wipe it out. If someone's been in a hotel room and it's a musty smell in the hotel room, you can plug it into the wall and it wipes out the odors and you get three of them for less than $200. EdenPureDeals.com is the website. The discount code you put in is ERIC3, E-R-I-C-K-3. And you can thank me later. You get free shipping, too, by the way. Hello there. It is Eric Erickson here. It's too late to give you people the phone number. There is some breaking news. Uh, this comes from, um, what is the publication? Al Monitor, the um, independent news source for the Middle East. I'm just going to read you an ex- 
uh, quote from this. A top security source told El Monitor this week that the agreement between Iran and the United States would be signed sooner or later because both U.S. President Joe Biden and Iran Supreme Leader Ayatollah Ali Khamenei want it. Unfortunately, Biden wants it more, and the West has gradually given in to Iran on almost all the clauses. Both sides are ripe for signing. The Iranians know that they will not get more than they already received, and President Biden aspires to get this signed before the midterms, the source said on a condition of anonymity referring to the upcoming November congressional elections. The source noted, quote, the deal about to be signed is nothing short of a catastrophe, not just for Israel, but for the region as a whole. This is a resounding victory for Iran, which will get billions of dollars in the coming years and up to a trillion dollars by 2030, just so the world can get an additional delay of a month or two in the completion of Iran's nuclear bomb. This is nothing short of madness and complete bankruptcy. And Israel must warn against it because there is no one else who can do so. Sadly, this is all happening at the instigation of Israel's greatest ally. But that is the situation, and we will have to deal with it. That's not good. The summation here is that uh, Israel, not just Israel though, but other Middle Eastern powers really don't like the Iran deal Biden is negotiating. And they really don't believe that Joe Biden um, is going to um, get anything good from Iran on this. By the way, uh, one more thing. President Biden is expected to announce his decision on student loan forgiveness as soon as tomorrow. This just in from NBC News. Uh, They're discussing it on The Wire there. Breaking news on student loans. Five sources tell NBC News that President Biden will announce a decision on student loan debt forgiveness as soon as tomorrow. Three sources tell NBC News Biden is expected to extend the pause on repayments for several more months while forgiving loans. And their audio cut off. I have no idea why. But uh, we'll forgive loans up to $10,000 for people who make $125,000 or less. Uh, this is a student debt bailout. We've had the Wall Street bailout. When are we going to get the rest of Americans bailout? The Americans who work hard and meet their obligations don't get bailed out. They get IRS auditors coming after them. It's all of the people who want to abscond and make bad deals and bad debts the government bails them out. It's the hardworking Americans who bail out everyone else, and the best the government can do for them is a subsidy on a solar panel and an IRS auditor to come after them. They really think they can go into November with this stuff. It's going to be a nightmare scenario for them if the Republicans figure out how to talk about that instead of Liz Cheney and Mar-a-Lago.